The FAA wants everybody inspecting your plane. Jim Jordan has come out saying uh, Bible should be flagged by the government. And are you Machiavellian? Dun, dun, dun. All this and more on the Self-Evident Podcast. Welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. You got Mike. You got Massey. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> How's everyone doing today? Welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. In honor of those crossing the border. <laughs> wow. We think- Before you say cultural appropriation and racism, I can do it. I'm first-generation American. Parents from Mexico, they probably do the same thing. You ain't Wonder Bread, so yeah, you can yeah, do whatever right. you want. That's right. Dude, I was... Punks? To, okay. that, to that point, I was... For some reason, I was subjecting myself to the torture of NPR on the way in. And they are talking about evangelical Christians and how they're the, the marching cult behind Trump. And one of their people made the weirdest connection. She's like, what did she say? Evangelicals um, versus race... Uh, racial diversity. She was Bruh. like, it, America's, I know what it was, America's becoming less religious and more racially diverse. I was like, apples, oranges. How the heck do you go from less religious to more racially diverse? Yeah, as, as if Christianity the, the is binary? a white man's, white man's religion. It's yes. all about race now. Dude, just like that Advil ad last week mm. that we that we showed. Mm-hmm. It's racist now to be. If you feel like you've mis- been misdiagnosed, it's racial. <laughs> if you're in pain, it's racism. That what? headache, I'm. It's racism. Uh, <laughs> we thank you for coming to the self-evident podcast today. Take Advil. <laughs> Anyways, border crossing sponsored by Advil. <laughs> People, people are wearing jackets with advertisers <laughs> and sponsors on their back. I am sponsored by Advil and Pfizer. Thank you for all, bringing me They here. don't need vaccinations and masks, you know? I mean, <laughs> Advil took care of it all. And we'll cover on Monday. They don't even need IDs to get on a plane. Oof. It's crazy. But that's why they're hiring all these disabled people, too. Yeah. Like you wrote. <laughs> Dude, I just made a really horrible, morbid <laughs> connection. It's like, we'll pack all these migrants on a plane, and then we'll give them the guy with Down syndrome to fly the plane. Like, <laughs> does Well, I mean, if well. NPR can do it. Well, why not? Why not? All right. Well, are we ready? I think we're ready to run some news bits. All right. First up, Blinken's plane no good. <laughs> so it were there a sign of problems at Boeing? No problems. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Anthony, I love it. Anthony, Anthony, what up? His Boeing seven thirty seven was grounded in Davos as he was attending the uh, annual WEF cult meeting. 
uh, with all the rest of the elites drinking children's blood and stuff due to a mechanical <laughs> failure. This is after an Alaska Airlines Boeing 737 decided the door was getting in the way and allowed it to rip off. Now, mind you, Blinken is old. Blinken's plane is older, modified for military use, but you know, sometimes you have to wonder if they have uh, blind people, you know, checking the bolts. <laughs> I'm going to offend every group it, in class crazy. today. I, I've, got, I've got them all lined oh, up to boy. take them off. Besides, airlines are now <laughs> determining that they'll be making DE, DEI hires. Like, who was it? United came out and said, we're going to hire diversity pilots because I want somebody with manic depression flying my plane. Bruh. But if you have manic depression going through the line... You get flagged. You'll get flagged in search, un <laughs> unless you're from Mexico. All right. I want nothing more than a trans gay black midget with Down syndrome flying my airplane. That just sounds swell. <laughs> Maybe you think that's an exaggeration, but... But the FAA... Diversity pushed to hire people with problems. <laughs> problems. And we're going to be honest about this. Major problems, the words severe intellectual and psych uh, psychiatric disabilities should be nowhere near my airline, <laughs> right? I mean, we can all agree. And they're actively recruiting those with severe intellectual disabilities, psychiatric problems, and other mental and physical conditions as a DEI initiative. <laughs> I wonder which one that is. Which airline is it? Well, it's the FAA. It's, yeah, the it's the FAA, FAA themselves. Who's going to fall in first? <laughs> United. Out I want. I want to. I want to say some of the airlines are like. I think they already started. <laughs> but oh, and guess what? The FAs seem to hint that Johnny Depressed Maniac might be qualified to check the bolts on your Boeing's three seventy or seven thirty seven next year. The FAA employs the, ten. Wait, this is a quote too. What this you're is about an actual read. quote from the FAA. The FAA employs tens of thousands of people for a wide range of positions, from administrative roles to oversight and execution of critical safety functions. Like many large employers, the agency proactively seeks qualified candidates from as many sources as possible. Sounds nice. All of whom must meet rigorous qualifications. That, of course, will vary by position. The FAA said because the more bureaucracy we have the safer we are don't we I, feel that way now i imagine the interview process so lakoya are you black yeah cool are you assuming my blackness yeah are you a man woman it it's other pan yes oh. okay uh ever been depressed every day of my life <laughs> Do you have suicidal thoughts? Gosh. Oh, yeah. Do you uh, have anger and bitterness and resentment towards other people's? Yeah, definitely. How's okay. your credit score? Who cares? Who cares? All right, we're going <laughs> to sign you up for final inspector for Boeing. <laughs> now, they did say, to their credit, <laughs> they have to meet certain qualifications. I want to know what those qualifications are. But Gay, can we just... black, Jewish, trans. Right, cool, you're right, qualified. right. But let's just take the track record of government. Have you ever noticed all the bureaucracy still... We're not safe, according to them. No, we need more rules. We need more rules. In the bureaucracy to make us safe. Proverbs 28.2 says, because of the transgressions of the land, many are its princes thereof. Which means, because we sin so much, we need more bureaucracy. We need more rules. 
That's a dangerous way to think. Mm-hmm. Now we're creating laws. I wish Paul listened. I'm sure he will listen. He to will. We're creating laws now for a what if circumstance. Well, if we don't do this, then this is going to happen. You can't determine the future. And the more laws we create on what if basis is takes away the liberties of the people. Prove me wrong. Right. And it never ends. That's never. the thing. It's like the government will always tell you, if we just put in this law, this regulation, then we'll all be safe. Isn't it funny yeah. that we're still not safe and we just need one more? How many, one more. how many laws we need to, to regulate gun use, right? Because, but we need more. We need more. Now, it's, we don't need laws anymore. Let's just take them away. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, how, that's how they want to go. See, laws aren't working. Therefore, we need to take them away. Now, it's no longer the responsibility of the individual. It's the thing. Dude, that is... And it, it's so crazy, That's dude. the definition. Like everybody says, the definition of insanity. What is it? Doing the same thing and Over, expecting different results. Dude. That's exactly what we're they're doing. They're the most insane. Yeah. Government yeah. is most insane. And and they're fleecing you. And I'm speaking to both conservatives and liberals. They're fleecing you. They're totally, without a doubt, without conscience, fleecing you because what they're saying is just we're going to put this in place and you'll be safe. They don't we care. won't have to worry about this they don't anymore. Care, dude. And then they'll point to the laws that they put in 40 years ago and say, "See, those laws made you more safe, so now don't you want to be more safe?" The problem is it's the wrong uh standards of the discussion. Right. Because what they're talking about is safety. They're always talking about safety. What are they playing off? Your fear. That's right. They're they the law is supposed to comfort your fear, make you more safe. And and like you said, Paul would would instantly recognize this of we shouldn't be having the discussion about fear. That's right. We shouldn't it's be a terrible, living in fear. Terrible place to create law from. Right. L- emotions. It it should be liberty. If the laws protect your liberty, fear has nothing to do with liberty. Right. Fear is actually an antidote to liberty. Yeah. Fear creates paranoia, and only the moral will keep law. Only those who have a, some kind of morality in their heart will keep the law. It's the rest of the Joe Schmoes that will continue to break the law or find more ways to break the law, i.e. mobs, i.e. gangsters, i.e. Mm-hmm. mobsters, i.e. Uh, uh, groups who think they're going to take the law in their own hands, which I'm not I'm, – I'm careful even to say that that's always a bad thing. Like you had the founders who had to stand up against corruption. Most people today aren't doing that when they're yeah. destroying property and buildings. Uh, the founders weren't destroying property and buildings. It was England that was doing that. They were trying yes. to defend their property. Um, I today, would, I would question the moral fabric of a lot of people. Ex- exactly, today. exactly. So <laughs> I'm not saying uh, upheavals and things are always bad uh, because, again, we've seen examples in the past. However, only moral people will keep law. The more laws you throw on them, the more it's like, okay, I'm just going to submit. And the stupid preaching of we just obey civil magistrates because of certain certain scriptures taken out of context, by the way, is ridiculous. And it causes us to continue to sit back in our seats, and we have to not do that. And And I'm saying we're doing our best to go out there and do mm-hmm. what we need to do. Yep. It's important for us to be the heralds of truth and say, look, if they're coming against God and the liberty that he gave us, then they're acting like God because God's already exacted justice on his scales. And when government comes in and steals that from God, he, they're not playing God, and now the balance is off. This is why God gets upset. I firmly believe that's why God uh, allows consequence and judgment to happen Yeah, because he's the one who creates law and order. He balances the scales for each one of us. When outside forces come in and touch what he's given us as a balance, 
That's where you lose that's, it. That's crazy. And that's Romans 1 to a T. That's Everybody exactly looks it. at Romans 1. They gave up their natural desires for <clears throat> blah, blah. You're, you're missing the forest for the trees. That's exactly Romans it. 1 is a, a process. It's showing you a progression. When you give up the creator and you stop worshiping the creator and start worshiping the creation, whether it's your body, whether it's animals, whether it's your creations of despotism your own mind, begins. despotism begins. Why? Because we get darkened. We're no longer moving by the objective standards of the Lord and respecting Him and looking to Him for the objective standards. We're instead looking to ourselves. Well, that's that's like using a weighted scale and then trying to use that as an objective measure. It doesn't work because we're sinful. We're fallen. We're imperfect. Why would you use an imperfect thing as a measurement to try and get the perfect? It doesn't work. And so what Romans 1 shows is as we slip deeper and deeper into that, more and more do we get darkened and foolish and chaos reigns supreme because... We're not respecting and looking back right. to the clear, the true, the objective. Amen. Amen. He's right. Romans 1 is so articulate in the fact that if you want that, God's such a gentleman. He'll he, give it to he'll you. He'll give it to you, and he'll give you over to a confounded mind, a reprobate mind. And that's what you're seeing happen. They reject God. And honestly, and, I, and I'm going to use this in the future, growing up, bro, no one ever came to witness to me. Yeah. In my 21 years of life, I did not have one person come and witness to me. I think I had it. Once when I right. was working at a coffee shop, it was someone who called my house to say, "Hey, there's a church service going on." I got saved that night because mm-hmm. my dad's a pastor, so I got yeah. invited to a church service. But I never was witnessed to by somebody. No one actually shared their faith and showed me the importance of like Christ, why He died, and so it's one of those things. We could sit here and say government need we need to change government, but it's actually quite the opposite. Government can write all the laws it wants, but man's going to keep disobeying him because morality's not in his heart. The more morality we have, the less laws we need, because we won't do that to our neighbor, because the eternal weight of justice is on us. I'm going to stand before God one day. I don't want to steal, kill, maim, harm, take away someone else's rights. That's God's business, you know? Let's let's look at it in a really simple context, and, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Um, lying. There's no law against lying outside of, like, official business practices. There's no law that says, I'm not allowed to lie to you, right? right? Only in court cases, right? Like in court, perjury. If if you're representing or perjury or that kind of thing, right? In in an official public capacity. But in our personal, there's no law that says, I can tell you, well, my coffee cup is full right now, right? Clearly it wasn't. It's not. He's lying. (laughs) Um, But I regulate myself. Because of the laws of God. The laws of God are on my heart. So my conscience says it's not good, whether small or large, to lie to you, right? So I'm a self-regulated person. We've decided that law from the government has to regulate the person. The problem is the law might be, don't lie to Massey about your coffee cup. Well, the law's not going to find out, hey, Massey, my coffee cup's full. You know, like... We, the law isn't what keeps you moral, right? Right. The law should be there to protect liberty, Mm -hmm. but we need to self-regulate. We need to regulate, right? And and truly, the objective way to do that in a true moral sense is only through Christ. Now, people say, well, I'm atheist, and I'll be good, and I have conviction, and you're right. You're absolutely right. But I do think there's that line where the Christian will go to their death with their conscience clean— 
in terms of upholding God's law, where an atheist is more likely when it's life or death, they go, well, I mean, what's one little lie? That's right. No, there's plenty of Christians who will do it too, but I think the Christian who is spirit-filled and sold out to God... Yep, we'll do it in the dark. We'll do it in the dark, we'll do it in the light, no matter what the cost, they keep themselves clean. I like that, because then too, when people look at you, they look at fruit. A person can preach a sermon, and it's a sermon, but I find that the most anointed preachers are the ones who have that same character in the dark. So in other words, they're not just preaching a sermon. It's actually from their heart. Their testimony has power and authority because they've walked it through. The spirit, They know you can tell someone spends time with God by how they pre, by the, the anointing they carry, how they love. Like It's like these guys aren't faking it. They're not putting on fake smiles. They actually care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I've met, I, I would say, probably 10 people like that in my lifetime that I know, man, they're walking with God. And other struggle walking with God, and that's I'm not saying you're not saved. You're struggling. You know, there's struggles. I, you know, I'm just thinking Delafabe. That guy, you get around him, it's like this guy is no bones, bro. Knows what's important, yeah, dude. And and he wants to stick to it through thick and thin. I know, man. There's there's something beautiful about him, and uh, it's not even like a weird thing. It's like this guy spends time with God. Yeah, it convicts me. I want to spend more time with God all the time because of that, you know. And it gets me up in the morning and. Not because I not because I want to do it his way. I don't do it his way. I don't do it anyone else's way. It's just me getting up and praying and seeking and, and going after the things of God, putting myself down. When you do that, your mind is on how do I set someone else free? Not how do I keep them in bondage? Not how mm-hmm. can, what can I do to get one over on them? How can I lie to them? You're always thinking, man, the Lord's watching. I, I don't want to violate the things of God. 2 Corinthians 7. It talks about that godly sorrow works repentance, right? right? Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need that that thing in our heart, man. I don't. I'm sorry, Lord, that I'm not what you want me to be. Ch- transform me and change me. I repent. I don't want to do this anymore, yeah. right? So it perfects you. It keeps you going on that path. Anyways, we're on a little tangent, but but it does lead into our, our main topic. But I do want to hit this topic quick, and we'll blast through this. So, yeah, the power um, of God can transform you. Absolutely. Also, sometimes your home needs power that transforms the room from dark to light. That's why. <laughs> Pick it up. Energy Ops LLC. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Energy Ops LLC, energyops.us. Go out, check them out. Charleston, South Carolina. Why would we why would we because they sponsor us. That's why we would do this. We're no, sponsored. We, we love them. We So we met the owners at a homeschool conference, and the the hearts flew over our heads. It was, it was <laughs> butterflies. We couldn't sleep at night because we kept thinking about them. Now, these are amazing people, down-to-earth, godly, spirit-filled, loving the Lord, want to represent themselves well, to carry themselves with integrity, veteran-owned business, any of your electrical needs. You need the power, get the power back. Uh, We're going to sell that slogan to you guys. Get the power back. Go to Energy Ops, LLC. Uh, We've got their phone number here on the next page. It's, It's not on the first page. Here it is. 843 Two six three one seven two four eight four three two six three one seven two four out of Charleston, South Carolina. We are going to be having him come to the Treasure Coast. So if you guys have some electrical work you want to get done, you want to help support a yep. godly <clears throat> small business, 
Energyops.us. Energyops.us. Okay. Um, I did want to hit that final topic real quick. Um, Jim Jordan just came out announcing that they have documents showing that federal agencies, hmm, wonder who those could be, have flagged financial transactions for financial institutions. That's why you looked at me like that. I yeah. thought we were done. I no, thought we were going no, to the I ad. To hit I'm that topic. sorry, no, dude. No, it's all good. <laughs> My bad. You were like looking at me like, I thought, take it oh, over. Yeah, I, was, I, I was like, I was like passing uh, him the ball. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was my bad. That was totally my bad. So I, and yeah, thank you. My bad. It's all good. The, I would have skipped this one, but A, it was on the thumbnail. And so I wanted to hit, but I do think this is really important please, for people please. to pay attention to this. Um, they're merely flagging words like MAGA and Trump on your financial transactions. So if you complete a transaction using those terms, especially if you're using like Zelle, you might be on a list somewhere. Also, if you bought a religious text, this is what the government is telling financial institutions to flag. Or you shopped at Bass Pro Shop, you may done got yourself flagged. So Jordan's letter to Noah Bischoff, who is a FinCEN director, states, these materials include a document recommending the use of generic terms like Trump and MAGA to search Zelle payment messages, as well as prior FinCEN analysis of lone actor, homegrown, violent extremism indicators. The letter continues. According to this analysis, FinCEN warned financial institutions of extremism indicators that include transportation charges such as bus tickets rental cars or plane tickets for travel to areas with no apparent purpose or the purchase of books including religious texts and subscriptions to other media containing extremist views you subscribe to daily wire you're probably an extremist in other words fincen urged large financial institutions to comb through the private transactions of their customers for suspicious charges on the basis of protected political and religious religious expression this is what's coming down the pike this is insane it's unbelievable your private transactions if you shop at bass pro shop are being flagged yeah and you may think that's a stretch, but it's because they sell guns and ammunition. So if you start going there, it's like, oh, wait a second. You know, why are they doing this? Why are they purchasing coolers? Why are they purchasing ammunition and all these other things? Why are they purchasing uh, uh, dried foods? You know what I mean? Right. They're, they're already looking at you and labeling you as an extremist uh, because you shop at these places. And, dude, if I was Bass Pro and Cabela's, bro, I'd, I'd be mad, th- dude. Man, dude, Gander Mountain, all these places, I'd be like... Bump, forget this. You know what I mean? I think they should all get together and they should put out a massive lawsuit against the financial institutions and the government. That's right. The, absolutely. You're violating the laws of yeah. liberty, man. Golly. And, dude, religious text. Everyone who writes religion, I don't care if they're whatever religion they are, right. should be doing the same thing. Yep. Class action, man. I think it's time. All right. Now on to the main topic. Machiavelli. Uh, and no, it's not Tupac's album, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. All around the world, there are boomers going, Tupac. Tupac? Tupac? I remember it was like Clinton, Tupac, Shakur. Shakur. <laughs> Tupac, Shakur. And the notorious big. Yeah, big. <laughs> Tupac, Shakur, and notorious big on tour now. P. Thanks, Diddy. Grandpa. P. Diddy, Papa, Daddy Puff. Where are we going with this? 
Sorry. Nine trillion dollars. It's so great. <laughs> so Machiavelli. <clears throat> Go for it. No, this this series, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We're going to start doing uh, our word this year for us, and I think it's going to be for the future. Learn from history. Learn from history. Learn from history. These are the kind of podcasts you can go back and play back. And unfortunately, we only have 35, 40 minutes to cover some of these topics. Some of these topics we may have to do a part two, a part three of, because there's so much in the learning of history. And uh, I, I want to read a quote uh, that I that I found the other day, and it was in a book that I was reading. Uh, Thucydides, Thucydides actually said this, history is philosophy teaching by example. History is philosophy teaching by example. How are you going to take on history? Guys like, and I'm throwing an extreme name out there, Hitler learned psychology. He learned if I can control the people. Social behavior. Yeah. So he learned how to enslave the people. Why? Because in civilizations past, like the the, the Maos, uh, uh, the Stalins, the, the, the Genghis Khans, they knew how to create fear and still fear and then give to people and make them feel, oh, look, he's such a generous ruler. You know what I mean? Like, this is dangerous. So they've learned from history to do it the negative way. We should go back and read just some of the founders' works and what they studied to understand how we got to this point of liberty. So learning from history is going to be our theme this year and probably going forward. What can we learn from history? Bro. It, and prevent. You you just hit me. So let's let's... Bring it down to an individual case, sure. right? A person who's in a domestic abuse situation. So often people are like, why do you stay in it? Why do you stay in it? Why would you be in Fear and oppression are the majority events or instances, right? Yes. But just enough of, oh, let me give you this. Let me take care. Cults. Let me give you this. From right? our experience, right? Yeah. But abuse. Go for it. Go for it. They demoralize and uh, demask and depower. I hope that's a word. You so much so much that even the very thought of you saying, I got to run from this, they're hearing in their head all the times of abuse that this person's promised they would kill them. So yeah. they get they're, 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 they don't have any power within them to even make that kind of a decision, right? And, and there's just enough good that gets sprinkled in there that the person goes, well, maybe this will turn around. Well, maybe this isn't so bad. Well, there was that time, right? Right. Just enough fun or gifting or pleasure yep, yep. right and and you buy a purse look he's so good to me exactly you know I mean? so when you look at these context the context of these uh cult of personality leaders leaders there's just enough goodness stability pleasure um benefit out of it just enough quote-unquote love that the people don't fully reject and they'll put up with a massive amount of pain fear suffering destruction and they'll put up with it out of fear as well as, well, as long as I just keep my head down and I submit, you know, it won't be so bad for me. That's right. If I submit, they won't come after me. Right. And that, <laughs> and, and wow. so then they'll turn on each other, right? That's and, right. And I was watching, I think it was Peterson was talking about a totalitarian state. He said the problem is everybody thinks a totalitarian state is just a dictator at the top with, with uh, stormtroopers keeping everybody in line. But that's not what it is. And think about the word totalitarian. It's from the top to the bottom completely. Everybody is bought into the system. 100%. The top part uses fear. The bottom part is controlled by fear. Exactly. And they're so fearful that they keep each other in check because they're afraid they'll get squashed if they don't keep each other in check. 100%. So they would rather turn in their neighbor to the top 
before they get turned yeah, in. Yeah, to incur some kind of favor as as far as like, if I do this, hopefully it's penance and you won't come after me, right? Exactly. Fear. You know I'm with you because I turned them. Right, so it's fear. And they're, they're willing to turn on you on a dime. As a matter of fact, the movie The Patriot, uh, quite it's a fictional story, yeah. yet it's there's so many common stories in there that happened. But like when that guy said, uh, he, he, go, he puts them all in the church... Uh, yeah. Uh, Lord, was it Lord Talton? I, I can't remember, I remember his, name. his name. So he gets in there and he goes, "If anybody gives up Mel's character, you know, I'll grant you. You, you may be granted your freedom. You may be granted. That's his words. You may be granted your freedom." Nobody was talking, and then the one coward guy is like, "He's down by the old Spanish mission," and he goes, "Thank you very much." And then he goes, "Shut the doors," and then the guy who gave up. Mel Gibson's character goes, but you said we'd be forgiven. He said, indeed, you may, but that's between you and God. He said, you may be forgiven. So they ended up getting killed anyway. He violated his conscience to try to save his own self, right? And that happens too much now. And when we're reading it's, about Machiavelli... Make the connection. That's totally Machiavellian, right? Machiavellian. Yeah. So, so when you look at Machiavelli's life, his basic thesis was this. A, a, a ruler, a good ruler can never be a good Christian. Because good Christians are weak, they're nice, they're, they're ineffective, they're not willing to make the hard decisions. And good rulers need to make the tough decisions, sometimes bloodshed, sometimes murder. So they have to put fear. In other words, instead of being nice and respected, it's better to be feared because fear will get other people to do more of what you want them to do rather than being liked. And so his basic premise of government was that very theory, that bloodshed is needed. Fear is needed. That's how rulers he even wrote things on republics, and we're a republic in this country. But you're going to see some similarities that are happening right now in front of our faces due to this theory. And what's so crazy is, I bet you someone's been sitting on this for hundreds of years trying to figure out how can we institute this in the American yeah. government? Fear. And, and we fall into it. And you got to understand, so Machiavelli, we're talking about the book The Prince. And it's kind of always been this book that people have seen as like this political philosophy. Now, the interesting thing is one of the, the commentaries or criticisms I was reading basically said, the interesting part is the prince has never launched a massive political revolution like Marx has or Locke has, you know, like it, it never launched a sustainable political revolution. The prince basically works from... It, this is the way it's described. It's not working from how politics should be. It's working from how politics is. That's right. So it works from a, an amoral point of view. It, it pushes morals out yeah. the windows. His theory isn't a government. No. His theory is how it should work intertwinedly. So in his mind, right, what you just said, he doesn't see, he said a, a, a leader or a prince should never see people as we want them to be. He should see them as we are. Humans suck. We are, we are sufferable or insufferable. We, we're subservient subjects, and the best of the best will always rise to the top, which is evolutionary theory, and the bottom will always be the bottom. There's always going to be a prince and a pauper. He didn't understand liberty. So, no, he was not— Yeah, he had no concept of liberty. He had no concept of liberty, but he wasn't out to create governments. He was saying we should justify the prince in what he does— if he can balance and ha create fear to create order. Yeah, it was, and it was written to the princes of this is how you, this is how you gather power in a land. This is how you control it. This is how you stabilize it. This is how you be a prince. And he uses two dichotomies. He uses fear and love, which 
what he says in that, so people, people tend to quote him as saying it is better to be feared than loved. What he actually says in The Prince is, look, love will produce gratitude, and it's good to be both feared and loved, but the problem is love will end. Gratitude will end. The people will get, get soft, they'll, they'll forget, they'll get bitter, whatever. Fear is better because fear will continue to control throughout the lifespan, right? He also uses a dichotomy of virtue versus fortune. Now, we think of virtue as moral, goodness, righteousness. That's not the context that word that he uses as virtue means. What it actually means in his context is a sense of cunning, strength, valor, character, ability, capability, talent, vigor, Ingenuity, strategy, shrewdness, competence, effort, skill, courage, power, prowess, energy, bravery, strategy, right? Yeah. And when necessary, ruthlessness. Exactly. Now, notice none of those words outside of you can maybe make an argument for character. None of those words have a moral connotation. None of them are moral. Because every one of those are subjective. Yes. It's, and and it's, it's all about effectiveness, Right, so what he's really talking about in virtue is strategy, effectiveness, um, successfulness in your aims. So, in his mind, just to draw the parallel here, he thought morality or Christianity would never be effective because love and tolerance and acceptance. It was better to be effective than to be loved. His end goal was, is that prince being effective in what he wants to accomplish? Right. Listen to that. Is that ruler, that king, that president effective over morality? Can you say that again? Is the king, the prince, or the president that we choose more effective than moral? That's what he's saying here. We've literally said to ourselves, we don't need to be free in liberty anymore. We need someone over us to correct the system. Not us correct the system. We need to put someone up there to correct the system. Regardless of how he gets it done, he's going to get it done because we're not hiring a moral person. We're hiring someone who can correct the system. And this works for both sides. It doesn't matter how corrupt Joe Biden's son is or his affairs, how come he has three homes or whatever on a on a... Uh, vice president's salary and Senate salary. It doesn't matter how he got there. He's the one that's going to get us to the top. Trump, it doesn't matter how corrupt what he says, what he does. It matters about his effectiveness. And I'm saying there's some real key Christian players that are actually defending. It's okay because of his effectiveness. It's okay. And you know who I'm talking about? Oh, did you yeah. see the? Did mm-hmm. you see the... Uh, the tweets that come out, and, no, and I'm not, I'm not defending. Didn't. I'm not defending Beth Moore. I think I'm not defending these people who say. Oh, I did see right? that. I'm not defending her position. Right. I'm not saying she's right. I'm not saying because what happens is you're doing this polarization stuff, and and the only one who can polarize is Christ. If either you're for me or against me, my point of view is if President Trump is the guy, right? There should be people in his ear saying this is righteousness. President Trump, this isn't. This is what we need to do, not this. Not just doing prayer meetings, but actually counseling him to the scriptures and saying, hey, hold your moral line. Now, some of you will say, scripture has no place in politics. I never said to change the Constitution to scripture. All I said was him personally needs to go before God and say, how can you correct me and cleanse me to be the effective leader you've called me to be? And... uh, Oh, man. There's so so much much there. So I saw uh, Beth Moore's post... 
through the eyes of Ali Beth Stuckey's response to it. And it, it, it's so funny you bring this up because when I was listening to Satan's newscast, NPR, <laughs> I, they were talking about the holy evangelical thing and they said America's becoming less religious, more racially diverse, as though those are two yeah. binaries. Um, they were talking about the evangelical vote for Trump in Iowa, and they had several interviews with, of course, you know, you pick out the best, we vote for Trump because, you know, Lord put him in our lap. You know, that, they that type of person. They actually asked a dude recently, some news station asked, would you rather have Trump as a dictator or Biden as a president? Look how they, he's yeah. like, Trump as a dictator. Exactly. Look at the way they, because they got this guy thinking, well, yeah, Trump, because he's way better than Biden. They flipped the words. Right. It's dangerous how they do. Dude, the media is such a crooked and, Lord. I, oh, you know my prayers. And and they they accentuated and exaggerated, but I think it was still accurate. These evangelical voters who are like, yeah, I don't care what his character is. He needs to do it against the system. And of course, NPR was like pointing the finger at that. Like, do you see evangelicals are giving up their morals in order to support this guy? They don't care who he is as long as he gets their job done. Any means necessary. Any means necessary. Any means necessary. And and I'm going to step on toes. I'm going to step on toes on this next one. Remember that picture I sent you, email from Facebook of Trump and Melania, the, the oh, AI yeah, yeah, generated yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an AI generated picture. Do you mind if I go this route? Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, dude, this is an opinion based. There, there's ministry, an AI generated so. picture going around of Trump and Melania heartfully praying before scripture together, hands folded, all of that. And I've seen Christians come out and say, yeah, this is exactly right. This is awesome. And I, I emailed Massey, and I'm not saying this is Massey's opinion by any means. This is what I said, is it concerns me, because I've never seen that as a fruit of this man and woman. Trying to I've, find it. I've never seen where unpushed, unprodded, Trump provides a humble spirit of prayer and intercession before the Lord. I've never seen him in an interview go, you know, I was I was sitting before the Lord, and the Lord has has just absolutely changed me on this perspective. Or, man, God's convicting me on this. Or, you know, it's Christ is going to do what he's going to do, and I'm here with him. I've never seen that type of language out of him. Mm. I've seen the opportunity of God bless America. I've seen the, well, we need to pray for President Trump. Okay, I'll bow my head. I've seen God's for our country. I've seen that type of stuff. I'm not knocking him for that. But the problem is we're now worshiping an image in our head That's in right. a way, right? We're worshiping an illusory image in our head of who this man is that I do not believe is factual. That's right. And so when this AI picture goes around, we're all like, yeah, that's Trump, Trump. It's not him. That's right. It's not him. That's right. That would be akin, I'm sorry, this would be offensive, but that would be akin to the same picture going around of Biden and Jill. That picture doesn't go around. And they're around. good Catholic people. They're good Catholic people. How many times has he said, I'm a good Catholic? Boy. God bless America. Boy, the term boy being used very loosely. <laughs> so, like, like and, and again, even with Ali Beth's response, I'm not against even what she said. She's right. He was effective. Sometimes we're looking at the things that are that are not 
you, you know what I mean? Right. Like we have to be careful. People like Beth Moore saying, oh, my gosh, this country's going to hell in a handbasket. Trump, there's got to be a better choice. Ali actually said he's not my first choice. He's not the choice of mine in primaries. Right. However, I think you're overlooking some things that he was effective. Sometimes, sometimes there are times where we have to just pick. And in this system, it's a two-party system, which yep. was not intended by the founders. We're in this position now. Who's a better leader of the two? Trump obviously proved. Now, he's done some weird things as well. Uh, gay rights uh Rights in quotations Most grew. Gay rights president, right, right, right. Ever, Trans issues, all these things. Uh, um, but when it comes to Israel, he protected it. You know, our economy was booming. So most people look at the economy and say that's the guy. Mm-hmm. Which you're going to see here in Machiavelli's terms. This is how they rule. They create disorder. They create destruction and fear, and then they start feeding you crumbs. Okay, I'm not saying Trump did that. I'm. That's not where I'm going. I'm saying we can make some some comparisons. And say, can we do better the next four years? Yes. Can we find someone who's actually going to uphold a constitution and not just spend us into oblivion like the Bidens and the Obamas? President Trump did a little bit too in his first term. He spent a lot of money. He did. He and a lot of it was the COVID the package. Budget. But we're now seeing he didn't what's fight. his name's coming out. Uh, Fauci's coming out and saying, well, we really didn't know anything about oh, it. I know. This is craziness, right? So, anyways, let's get into this. His writings, the political philosopher is known for his writings. We're talking about Machiavelli. And one in particular is most famous work, The Prince. And this book was uh, uh, what that caused the most ruckus. This book covers how to gain rule over a government and how to keep that rule. But the funny thing is, he wrote another book called Discourses on Livy. And the discourses, some call it the discourses, and, and I've ordered uh, these books uh, before. So it's like, which taught how to hold on to continue a republic, which rulers can't exist in a republic. It didn't work in Rome. It didn't work in these situations. A republic being where we elect leaders to represent us, and then there's a ruler over those representatives. That's not really liberty. In this nation, we're a constitutional republic. The the real ruler or the rule of law is the Constitution and we the people. We're electing rulers or leaders to uphold this piece of paper that we said, this is our governing document, not a king. These are the rules that they must follow. These are the rules within context. Uh, The Constitution itself and the Declaration itself has a preamble, right? And so we, and in the declar or the Declaration of Independence, I'm sorry, the Declaration, the Bill of Rights actually says, in order to prevent misuse and and misconstruction of its of its purposes, we wrote this document to make sure that the rights are preserved for the people. Big discussion about what rights should be included in that Bill of Rights, or if we should have had a Bill of Rights at all, because governments will say those are the only rights you have. But if we didn't write a Bill of Rights, government would say you don't have any rights eventually. So there's this great debate. We think it's just a set of laws that these rich white people wrote. It's actually not. It's so much deeper than what people give it credit for, which is why we're doing learning from history. And we're going to give you the pith and marrow of what these laws represented, why America was such an exceptional exceptional nation, right? But how things like this can creep in and destroy the morality of a nation and destroy the nation itself. When the morality goes, there goes the nation. And with Machiavelli, the way he constructs this whole thing is, if you've ever heard of Machiavellianism, it's a personality trait. Now, all personality traits move on a range, right? So you may have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a lot of that, right? So, it, But Machiavellianism is considered part of the dark triad of personality traits. Narcissism, psychopathy, and uh, uh, Machiavellianism. Machiavellianism is cunningness, manipulation, deceit, long-term strategy to, to get your aims across, right? It's a... a my goal is the most important type 
personality. It's kind trait. of sociopath mixed with a little narcissist. Right. It's it's it and all of them kind of mixed together. Yeah. And, and the more you show each of them as a three, the more of the dark triad you're carrying, right? And so those are those people who don't have empathy. They 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 won't give up their own aims for somebody else. They won't uh, cooperate as well. There's there's a selfish nature right. to it, the center of self. And I always right? find the writings that point to a more centralized government instead of individual liberty are the ones that are the most tyrannical. Yes. So even in our system of government, the guys like Hamilton, who are for a bigger central government type system, John Adams a little bit too, it was like, don't go the line of tyranny because you literally are preaching against this in the Declaration of Independence, writing the Bill of Rights. There was a point of this is this is about state control. This is about states having their own individual governments and things like that. We're just a, a, a an umbrella, if you will, a representative to the world. That's why literally president is presider. He's an right. executive of what the states want and what the states dictate. So this is why our country was so unique. It was so different. It was unlike any other nation in history. We really did want a true republic where we're electing leaders. The problem is we had 13 colonies. Could we do it in, with 50? And Machiavelli argued that. Can you sustain uh, liberty in, with a bigger system? Right. That's hard to do because of all these different governments, and they want to run it their way. So then the government's like, oh, they're not in the, they're not doing what they, you know, they're not doing what they, so then the Supreme Court has to come in there, and then they become the law with right. oligarchy and just creating law out of thin air. So there's so much to this, right? So let's continue, because I don't want to, I, yeah, I know we, no, got, we got a little bit. I've, I'm kind of bouncing around anyway, yeah, so it's cool. go it's where cool. you need to go. Um, uh, let's, let's think about the, the book, The Prince. Um, he basically argued that fear was more powerful tool in the hands of a prince than love. It also drew the difference between two words that need to be understood, virtue and fortune. Mike just talked about that, right? Now, are we in that time? Are we in that time now? We just kind of hit on it a little bit, so bear with us. Because I desire, like, he's, uh, like King David said in Psalm 51, Lord, I desire truth in the inward parts. I want to know if I'm operating in fear and pride, or am I operating in faith and trust? Okay? My job, I believe, in this nation right now is to pastor, to preach, and to set things right. I believe I'm called to, in this case, set government right, not to meet with political leaders. That is not my goal. Matter of fact, you never see me do it. I've done many of those things behind closed doors. You don't see me put them on Facebook. You don't see me put them on Instagram, because my goal is not to meet with political leaders and try to have some kind of influence. My goal is to meet with those same leaders and say, where's the Constitution? Where is liberty? And again, I've done it many times. I'm not starstruck by these people because those same people put their pants on the same way I do. They're our representatives. They're not our leaders and rulers. I owe them the same respect I owe the guy down the street. I do. There's no more honor I give to someone else because of their position, and I believe that's biblical, because I think we've done a disservice to we can't correct them because they're the president. We elected that dude. Mm -hmm. he, he's not above a correction. He's not above reproach. This guy or girl, whoever, whoever we elect, Biden or whoever, we have a duty to uphold to the laws they said they would uphold. My job is to say, if you're calling yourself a Christian, then act like one. The fruits should show. The Bible's very clear. You know them by their fruits. If they're not operating in the fruit of their own oath— then there's some darkness in there that we need to say, hey, correct this dude. Conversely, with the Constitution. If they're not upholding the Constitution, the document they said they would uphold, how can I trust you? How can I trust you? And that's that's the opposite nature of what 
America was founded on versus Machiavelli, right? So, and and I truly believe we're really in a Machiavelli structure at this point. And we really are when when you when you get into it. And and if you look at the founding, they never referenced Machiavelli. No. Now the prince had been out for several hundred years yeah. already, so it, it it obviously had made its circulation. People knew about it. Never referenced. Locke was referenced. Montesquieu. Montesquieu. Blackstone. Right. Even Rousseau, there, there's some sense Plato, of, of... A lot of these guys, yeah. Yeah, even Plato, there's some sense of like higher authority throughout all of these writings, right? The Christian founding... Christian founding. The Christian belief system was so ingrained in the structure of America right. at the founding that there was no conversation about, by any means necessary, it was built on how do we have a moral just system that... Pr- protects liberty. Now, obviously, you always had the wicked people that were ingrained in all of that. Yeah. But the conversation did not center around how do we how do we use every means necessary in order to keep things stable. Machiavelli, do what you need to do in order to get across. So Machiavelli would prescribe, hey, this Christian system with these laws and all of that, yeah, that's good until you don't need that law anymore or you need to break that law in order to get what you need done then you need to go do that. And I want you to, to read that example of how a Machiavelli political structure works from day to day. We've, we've got a specific example we that, do. that really that kind of actually, inspired him. Yeah, you know? that he was actually saying, wow, that was this was a, a good example of a leader that was an, an important uh, and necessary. The question is, has the American government system turned into the politi- political system we could ascribe to the book The Prince. Do we watch politicians and parties attempt to keep power at all costs and use whatever virtue, like he described, it means necessary, strength, uh, what is it, strength, and all these things that he listed, right, and sometimes ruthlessness, are we using those things to maintain the power structure that we have today and keep it going? When America was first founded, the nation used a true governing philosophical system of morality, it used morality as the structure and basis for its government framework. You can't steal from another. You can't lie. You can't kill. Uh, and we're not going to create laws that hamper the people. We're creating laws against government so we can't infringe on the rights of the people. That was a moral stance, right? We saw the effect of philosophers like Locke and Montesquieu as opposed uh, to Machiavelli being referenced. We saw guys like Blackstone heralded as strong philosophers of the law and many enlightened other thinkers. There were, you know, These guys were smart. They studied philosophy, even Gnostics. Right, like Plato, mm-hmm. they were right. Gnostics, and so uh, many men held Christian morality, uh, a Christian morality structure, if not hold, uh, holding outright Christian beliefs. There was a respect of higher authority. That's one thing we could say about the founders. You may not agree that we were founded as a Christian system, but most of them thought there's someone higher than me, the Creator. He created us with rights. That's what's referenced in the Declaration. Right now, Machiavelli took an aesthetic look. I'm sorry, an atheistic look, never one deeming the justice of God as something to take into account. He never referenced, matter of fact, he condemned Christianity. Yeah. And it's it's apparent in his his diametrically opposed virtue and what he used as fortune. So virtue was your foresight, your ingenuity to control situations and get an outcome. Chess. You're he's a great 40 chess player. That's virtue in Machiavelli terms. Fortune is outside of the control. Fortune is is the 
the whims of chaos. Yeah, we hope it happens. Yeah, good it's, fortune it's, means you've got favor. It, it's the natural forces that could affect you one way or another. The universe. Exactly. Well, guess what? The founding of America put big importance on, look, God's hand interplays in all of this. They were not deists, thank you, because that's what deism is, is God's hand doesn't produce it all, right? God wound it up, let it play. The, the more accurate view of what the founders were seeing was, no, this idea of fortune to Machiavelli is God's hand and God's will. So fortune plays a role that no matter how much you plan, fortune could come in and sweep it all away. Right. So what you're actually planning for is to try and hem in fortune so it doesn't take it take over what you're trying to do. Yeah, and we may not be in the full stages of Machiavellianism, but I want to read a story real fast about a guy that he heralded as a good leader, Cesare Borgia. Cesare Borgia was a guy who's, I think his father was a, was a lawyer and he was broke. Uh, no, that was Machiavelli. Machiavelli yeah. was, uh, I'm sorry, Machiavelli's dad. Borgia, uh, he, his father was Pope Alexander That's right. the Fourth. Right, That's sorry. Was. Screwed up. He was Pope Alexander the Fourth. So Borgia comes in. He wants to, Machiavelli said he wanted to establish order and by any means necessary. So here's what happens. Cesare goes in. He was considered tough, but not too tough, according to Machiavelli. When Cesare conquered the city of Chesna, he ordered one of his mercenaries, Ramira de Orco, remember these names, Ramira de Orco, one of his mercenaries, to bring order. And he did it swiftly and promptly, right? So one of his methods was he had the men of that city beheaded in front of their wives and children. What did that do? It struck fear in the women and children that we're not going to cross this dude. And anyone, any male or whatever who was found a traitor, they were publicly castrated, set next to each other and castrated in front of the people of that city in order to bring order and structure to that city. So in other words, he came in to dominate, brings in the mercenary, uh, Ramira. Ramira goes and does what he does. And then that same leader, Chesna, he goes in there, or Chesna, he, he goes in there and kills Ramira in front of the entire city, cut him in half. I'm talking top down, not across. Cut him in half, put his body on display, and basically told the people, I'm the real leader here, just so we all, just so we're clear. The guy that did his dirty work ended up being the one sli sliced in half. Right. So here's what Machiavelli said. Machiavelli noted this. That was enough bloodshed. That was just enough needed to be right. And moral. And and you see the psychology of this whole situation. So you have the oppressor come in, build massive amounts of fear and oppression. Everybody submits. They're like, okay. And then Borgia comes in, cuts the head off. Well, not even cuts the head off. Cuts that guy in half and says, I'm the real power. Well, what do all the people go? Man, he just killed the guy who's killing us. No, we're good. We're good. Because if you'll do that to him, what do you do to us, Right. That's Machiavellian. Right. So then Cesare, Cesare, <laughs> this is so crazy. So Cesare, after all of that, this is what he does. He moved on to cut taxes, made himself a hero. Well, we're going to tame down the taxes, right? He imports cheap grain, builds a theater, and organizes a series of beautiful festivals to keep, uh, uh, to keep the people basically forgetting their horrible memories. In other words... If I can erase history, if I can erase the horrible memories, I can control their future. And I, I have a slide on that, whoever said that. Those who controls history controls the future, right? 
So in other words, it was George Orwell that actually said yeah. that. He who controls the past controls the future. He was controlling how they thought. So in other words, let me, let me bring them everything. Let me cut their taxes. Uh, in other words, boost the economy, all these other things, and then throw festivals and stuff so they can forget what I just did. So in other words, they won't see me as a bad guy. They'll see me as a good guy. So he brings an order, right? And I wrote this right after that. Do you see the need and importance of remember, uh, reminding yourself of history, of Scripture, and what it cost to have a good nation sacrifice or to have salvation? Why religion is so important to be kept. It's not that the government is taking away religious liberty. They can't do that. It's in you already. Our mentality has to change now as the Christian. Listen to me closely. Our mentality has to change to that of a true Christian. They can never take away what Christ has put in me. They can try, but in me dwells the Spirit of God. It can only but transmute the gospel. Morality can only but come out of me because I operate in the will of God. I'm constantly seeking his will. What they've now taught you mentally is we can take away your rights at whim, and if we want you to stop saying Merry Christmas, which is such a dumb example, you're going to stop saying it because we don't like it. And most people who aren't seeking the Lord in truth will say, fine, we have to fold. Where did Jesus ever do that? In fact, he said the opposite. Do not fear man who can kill the body, but do nothing more. Fear God in heaven. He sends out the 70. If they're going to reject you, dust the, dust your, the shoes, uh, your, 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 take the dust from off your feet, get out of that city. If they receive you, give them that reward, right? When he told his 12, same thing. He gave us power to tread over snakes and scorpions, to heal the sick, cleanse the dead. Oh, I'm sorry, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Those Preach the gospel with power, like Paul said. Our gospel came not into your word only, but also in power. We should never be the ones to hear a government dictate how we practice religion. We should be the ones saying, it doesn't matter what you say. Like Paul said, I ought to obey God rather than man. So he's thrown in jail because of preaching the gospel. Guys like John Bunyan go to jail for years. It was like 13, 14 years for preaching without a license. Can you imagine that? A government saying you can't preach unless you pay us to preach. I'm sorry, dude. I'm going to keep preaching. And he went to jail for it and lost everything. And you've got to be ready for that. And we're not telling you change this mindset because that's the way to happiness and peace. No. It's the way to more pressure. <laughs> Contention war. Yeah. I, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, they come out with a what quarterly magazine or whatever, and the last issue was about North Korea. Man, you read those stories about what those people went through in North Korea and are going through for the gospel. Man, it's serious. And there is a lot of physical pain, pressure, and suffering that can happen to a person who will not give up their conscience. What we're saying is be very careful because you'll get won over with the circuses, with the bread, with the little pleasures, the little comforts. If you're not ready to forsake all of that, knowing I can't trust in man, I've got to trust in the Lord. And what we do is, well, the man will give me what I need. He'll give me comfort. He'll give me safety. So if I just put aside this little piece, then the man will be okay in my book. He'll do okay. What do you think those people, after Borgia got cut in half, what do you think those people did? Man, I just, I don't want to make anybody mad. Just please, just let me live my life. Well, here's some bread and circuses. Really? Thank you. You're pretty good. Wow. Let me lower taxes. Wow, you're going to lower taxes? Dude, Thank you. That's crazy. Wow, that's awesome. 
So, so to add to your point, he wrote this. Mike's so smart. He wrote this in the notes. Guys like Locke, Marx, Plato, and Rousseau all inspired massive political shifts that were based on utopian ideals. In other words, what we want the government to be, whereas Machiavelli was, this is what it is. Here's uh, how to navigate Murder's it. necessary. Bloodshed yep. is necessary. So it all's good. Here's the crazy part. He dies by the sword that he lived by. Yep. Scripture actually says, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Jesus even said that, right? If you live mm -hmm. by it, you die by it, rebuking Peter for cutting off dude's ear, mm -hmm. right? The, the soldier. He died... Uh, actually, because the Medici family came back into power after all this mess was going on, basically found Machiavelli a traitor, enslaved him for a year, and then killed him. The very method that he said he sh we should live by under a ruler killed him. Tortured him. Right? Tortured him. Yep. And Borgia, he himself was a victim of this whole process. So Borgia, his father, Pope Alexander IV... We're talking about chess for Borgia, yeah. Yep. His father dies... A new pope gets in who is an enemy of him, right? And Borgia ends up dying a few years after his father from scurvy and in poverty and disgrace. Wow. It Bro, doesn't you, end well. You reap what you sow. You reap dissent. This is why, I, I yes, I pray against wickedness, but guys like political figures, the Bidens and these cats, they, they're, they're going to reap what they sow. And that goes for the Christian. If I if I sow righteousness, I reap righteousness, life everlasting, the Bible says. Don't be mocked. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit will reap life everlasting. You keep sowing into the flesh, I promise you. I promise you it's going to come back, and you're seeing examples of it. Hitler died by it. Yeah. A lot of these major dictators, died, uh, Mussolini. Stalin. I mean, Stalin. Stalin, Stalin, his health declined. He had a stroke. And while the guy's laying in bed, there's arguments going on of who's going to take over his place. Nobody cared Nobody about him. Nobody cared guy. about him. You know what's crazy? Uh, Mussolini was hung upside down publicly and shot there with his go. mistress. Gaddafi was killed with his own gun. Dude, you, you, the, the, the sword that you live your life by, eventually, listen... If you continuously fall into this two-party system and it's us against them and there's no redemption for them, you will die lonely and bitter. If you can't see that this is a spiritual battle, not a fleshly one, I'm, as, I'm involved in politics as much as the next guy, and you guys know that. We're going to continue to talk about constitutional ethics and things like that. You're fighting the wrong cloud, the wrong war. The war is above. This is about principality and powers. This has nothing to do with things on the earth. We need to be in our prayer closet saying, Lord, give me that open door to go speak to a Biden, to go speak to Kamala Harris, to go preach to the Clintons. I want that open door. And dude, if God said that I was going to speak to a mountain and it would, be, it would be moved, whether metaphorically or in truth, how can we ask for finances and we can't ask for opportunities to preach the gospel? That is bull and it's wrong. And we can't live like that because that's not the spirit of God. If God set up kingdoms and structures, if he could move Pharaoh's heart 10 times, if he could have Joseph stand as second in command next to Pharaoh and Pharaoh saying, we're going to obey this guy's God. If David or Daniel's God was the one that the king said, we're going to serve this guy's God. We don't even know what God it is, but this dude's God just preserved him. If those kings can turn for the kingdom of God, why is it that we can't pray for those opportunities to go reach them? You want to know how I know we're in the Machiavelli stage? Totally to confirm your point. No, I'm just... How, how many times in the last 20 years have we heard, this is the most important election in history. Oh, my If gosh. the other guy wins, democracy dies. The nation will fall. When you hear that type of language, you know what it's saying? 
The man matters the most. The results matter the most. It's not about That's the so conscience good. of the nation. So it's good. not about God's position in the nation. It's not about your prayers to the Lord and what the Lord can do. You have now bought into the false system of the politician matters the most. Our, how many times have we seen and we call out the fact that people are like, Trump is the only man who can save this nation. A potato can save this nation if you would get behind God. That's right. If we would see God and what his purpose is for liberty. I, I would be totally for any candidate that is saying, I want to lay down the authority of government, give it to the states. The states deserve the authority because that's the way the Constitution was written. Then say to those states, hold to your preambles of your constitutions. We, the people of the state of whatever it is, grateful to Almighty God for the blessings of freedom. Why would they keep those in the preamble? Because we knew where liberty came from and that there's a higher authority than us. Notice those words, hold to the blessing. Hold to the blessing. Unbelievable. Hold, hold to God and what he's given out, right? It's, it's that if you put the—I I am on the vein of idols, and this actually—this will get into Monday, so we'll, we'll wrap this up. Yeah, because I want to read a couple it, of these paragraphs that you wrote at the end. These are really good. Yeah. Uh, five seconds. I'm on this vein of idols. Be very wary of the idols we build that we don't realize are idols. Oh, my gosh. Be very wary. We tolerate it. You you should be taking a baseball bat to everything you think you is an idol in your life. You are me right now, dude. Mm-hmm. Right now, I woke up at 3.30 this morning, two, 3 o'clock, 2.30, and I was like, I should pray, and I was so tired. And I'm, I'm not saying God's holding that against me, but I do feel a sense of that godly sorrow, like, dang it, yeah. I should have taken that opportunity. I was so tired. And God is not unjust. I'm not saying that, but it's I don't want my flesh to be an idol. God, dude, that gets me like, uh, amen. It's it's hard because like I I want to be that guy that's ready for him at all times, you know, at attention, ready to go. Me too, yeah. And uh, you know, it, last night we had fun. We were playing a video or a game, a board game for a long time, and I was super tired, and just a lot's been happening, and um, I just don't want to violate the Lord, you know. Really? And uh, it's just so convicting. You're saying idols and. Again, I'm not condemning myself. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is I just don't want to miss those opportunities. Yeah. And 2 Corinthians is right, man. Godly sorrow, work of repentance. I'm sorry, Lord. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to violate you. But mm-hmm. there are some paragraphs in here that you wrote that I think are awesome. Go for it. You put in here, uh, we end up rewarding Machiavelli uh, traits, Machiavellian traits in our politicians. If you can promise me what I want, then I don't care what you do. It's right in the middle. Uh, Our government's on page four. Our government uses fear as well to keep stability and order. The wide, powerful security state is not there for your protection. It's there to keep you in line and protect the power structure of the government as it sits. So true. Uh, It's it's the defense defense forces of the political elite and their power status. Think about it. When we have open borders with illegal immigrants walking through by the hundreds of thousands— and then getting onto airplanes with no IDs, not even a picture requirement. We have airplanes literally falling apart in the sky because our government backed and endorsed DEI requirements. We are uh, failing or we're falling apart as a nation. But we have to make sure that people who buy a Bible at bookstores or a gun at Bass Pro Shop are noted and listed by financial institutions. They're going after your liberty, not them. They don't care about that. They want this nation to be destroyed. And that's not a conspiracy theory, folks, because it's literally 
uh, don't watch what I do over here. It's you that we're actually after. Why is it I'm the one scanned as a terrorist at an airport because I might have a bomb? But these guys are coming across the border. We have no idea who they are. A lineup of hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. And where's the women and children, by the way, in these pictures? Right. The refugees. It's always like 80% right? men. Right. And then you said this. The elite do not view the outside as dangerous, but as the enemy within the gates. Our country has hit a total Machiavelli stage. Violence and fear are becoming stronger and stronger tactics to maintain order. It's almost like they use violence as well. If a gun shooting or a shooting happens, a school shooting or whatever, go after the gun. Why disarm the American people when we have people in foreign countries coming into this nation? We don't know who they are. Right. Why disarm me? Right. Why, as things decay and fall apart, is it more important to disarm me than to bring justice to the violence and decay, right? Right. Sorry, continue. No, this is the last one of the last paragraphs, actually the last one. Machiavelli political philosophy can keep a land together for a short time, but it always decays and foments a massive upheaval. The length of the oppressive tyranny depends on the depths of the fear they can create in the people, the net of control they can cast, and the inner belief system of the people about what is possible. In other words, you no longer dream, they dream for you. My Nailed God. It. Nailed it. Instead of God giving you visions and dreams for the future and what you want to create for your sons and daughters, they're giving you the crumbs on the table saying this is as far as you're going to go. That is communism, socialism, and the whole. This will lead to those things. The more we allow leaders to become despotic, it always leads to communism. And Stalin said it. They all said it. All socialism, all socialism is, is the road to communism. And it's perfectly encapsulated in those political propaganda posters where you've got the picture of Stalin up at the top, almost a godlike figure. North Korea is replete with this as well. And then underneath are the workers or the people, and there's like fields of grain that are full, or there's people that are yeah. laughing. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's always this sense of because of the leader, you have abundance. And it, it's that, dude, it's that dreaming for you that you are being engineered with the yeah. promises. He took care of me. I have an abundance in my... It's his field, by the way, not yours. Not yours. It's, they're working in fields, and it's so plenteous, and they have grain. And then when they want to take it from you, they can, and sell it to other nations for gain while you starve to death. That's exactly what's happening in yep. America, too, right? Because we forgot liberty, right? We don't want to drill a pipeline for oil to create jobs and create an infrastructure where we can be dependent on ourselves. We have to go get it from other nations. Why? So we fund their messes and somehow call it a democracy. We fund their wars and call it a democracy. Learn from history, folks. Learn, dude, listen. We're, Mike and I are sitting here, and I, I appreciate what you said to me this morning. Mm. I'm going page on page of writing documents constantly of what I need to memorize, what I need to see, what I, like, show me, Lord, what do you want me to learn, right? I'm studying the second century church history right now and how paralleled it is to the, to the, to the church today, right? And, and, and how philosophers got in and started bugging in on the gospel and they merged, they called it a hybrid, actually, a merging of the, the, the word of God and philosophical tendencies, that we had to soften the word to meet philosophical tendencies and we created a new gospel. That happened in the second century, isn't that happening today with the... We're going to talk about that on Monday, actually. <laughs> Ooh, We're going to talk about that a little bit on Monday. One of the philosophies of modern teaching. Mm. Pull this was in. a good one. This gets me lit this up. This is fun. I love this stuff, man. Uh, and, and it's cool to, to, to ping pong because he's dude. when he's writing these maps, I'll give him ideas or whatever, but like he puts together such great commentary. All I'm studying is, holy crap, this is... 
exactly what's happening in America. And we're both on this philosophy train of look at different philosophies and how it's destroying the people's liberty. We're no longer focused on liberty. We're focused on money, power, and getting the other guy to bow. That's exactly how both parties operate. Yep. Yep. It's power. It's power. a game of power. All power. And, and the funny thing is, we watch the progressives, and this will be my last point. And it's not just the president. It's the Congress and Senate and all these everything. cats. Everyone. Everyone. We, and we watch the progressives clamor for power. They, Marxism looks at everything through the lens of power. Who has it? Who doesn't? That's why Marxism, cultural Marxism, all of it divides into camps or haves identities. And have and haves and haves That's why there's an identity structure. If you know, we're we're laughing about being black, trans, gay, midget, or whatever, but really that identity becomes has more power in the structure of the whole cultural Marxism. Because everybody says, well, you've got more power because you've been oppressed by power. Yeah, look it's at the all in the language. Modern of power. teaching and we, we got it. Anyways, it. yeah, yeah. So, guys, thank you so much. Um, we hope this helped you uh, point your heart towards the Lord and away from all of the mess of the system. It doesn't mean you don't interact with the system, you still have to interact with it, you still have to be a part of the system in a way, but your heart, soul, Spirit does not have to bow down to the system. You can be a part of the Lord. And so we encourage you, seek him first above all other things. Don't get caught into the trappings of the world. And the trappings of the world will come a lot of different ways. And you know how you can tell if you're getting trapped by the world? If you're not looking to the Lord as first and foremost for that thing. And don't use that thing as a vehicle to get to the Lord, which is a little hint of Mondays. So That's so exciting. We love you guys. We hope you have a great weekend. Mike. Don't screw it up. Massey. Don't, don't screw up your week. Yeah. That's my encouragement to everybody, <laughs> right? And if right. anybody knows my office ethic, <laughs> I'll brought them up and everything else. And when they leave, don't screw it up. I love when the new people come in and you're like, don't screw it up. <laughs> I, I'm kind of similar. Like, don't suck. Don't suck. That's exactly, right. dude. That's awesome. All right. Have a good weekend. Love, Love you. you guys.